0: Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 119. We've been talking about this for a long time, and we're here. Psalm 119. Now, this morning, what I'm going to do is just introduce a little bit and address the graduates. And then next week, we'll do uh, a fuller overview of the book as we get started. But I'm excited to do this. And one of the things that is just so wonderful about preaching through books of the Bible and developing the text that way is God always deals with us right where we are. And for the graduates, I think that you'll find this. Look at verse 1, Psalm 119 and verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Then look at verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Let's pray. Lord, help us now as we study your word. And Lord, these young people have such a great and hopeful future if they walk in your word. So Lord, help us now as we look at that. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, and I'm going to be quoting him a lot this morning, he has a book called uh, The Golden Alphabet that he wrote. is an entire book on Psalm 119. And listen to the way that he describes it. It is known among the Germans as the Christian's golden ABC of praise, love, power, and the use of the Word of God. Now, look at, uh, if you look at your Bible, Psalm 119, how many of you underneath that have the the word Aleph? Do you have that? Aleph. And then if you look at verse 9, above that it has Beth. Verse 17, Gimel. Verse 25, Daleth. What Psalm 19 is, and many of you know this, is it's divided, it's 176 verses divided into sections of eight. There are 22 of those sections of eight for the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So, Aleph, that would be our A. Beth, that would be our B. And so, each verse in section one, verses one through eight, each verse, the first word, would start with the letter Aleph in the Hebrew alphabet. The second group of eight, each verse, the first word in that verse, would be the, the letter Beth, the letter B in Hebrew. And this was so the Bible could be memorized. Now, this is such an interesting thing. How many of you would believe or would feel like it would be a large task to memorize 176 verses? The Hebrews were expected to do this, and they would do it often by putting them to music so that they could sing it. But one of the things that I hope to do as I preach through this book of the Bible is to memorize, I'm sorry, this chapter in the Bible is to memorize much of it. Because the theme of Psalm 119 is the Word of God. And if you'll notice our graphic that we have, it's the, the title for this series is Glorifying God by Loving His Word. Glorifying God by Loving His Word. I feel like at Grace Baptist, we do put a great emphasis on the words of Scripture. Would you all agree with that? So we are learning the words, we know the words, but do we love God's Word. That's what Psalm 119 is all about. It's all about loving God and loving His Word. So there are 176 verses divided into 22 eight-verse sections. Now, the first eight verses are taken up with a contemplation of the blessedness which comes through keeping the statutes of God's words. Keeping His statutes. And I want to just break that down a little bit. So look at verse 1 with me again. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So graduates, let me ask you a question. Do you want to have a happy life or an unhappy life? That's, that's kind of a rhetor- it's, it's a rhetorical question, right? You know, my plan is to be miserable. I want to marry the wrong guy who beats me and we live hand to mouth so that we have a horrible existence. My health destroyed And my children reprobates. That's my goal. How many of you think anyone sets out with that goal? How many of you know people who have fulfilled what appears to be that goal? It's interesting that each and every one of us, every day, begin making decisions That will determine the rest of our life. Every day. One moment of anger can change your life. One moment of lust can destroy your life. One moment of covetousness can absolutely destroy your life and destroy your future. One moment. You know what the good news is? It doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. Blessed, blessed this verse is not only the preface to the whole Psalm, or to this, to this particular Psalm. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. It's similar to what happens in Psalm 1. Hold your place in Psalm eight or Psalm 119, but look at the first Psalm. And look at the way that the Psalms begin. Psalm 1 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. It's interesting that Psalm 1, 1 and 2 could easily fit into Psalm 119. And I would recommend begin reading Psalm 119 every day as we go through this study. Try and read the entire Psalm, Psalm 119, every day. And become very familiar with it. So as we begin expounding it verse by verse and word by word, that you're very familiar with it. But one of the things that you'll notice as you do that is this first psalm the first two verses could easily fit into Psalm 119. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I've chosen the theme verse for this study and we've put it on the wall. Some many of you like the verses that we put on the wall back here? It looks like the building was made to have those verses. Right there, it says, I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. What do you delight in? What do you delight in? If I looked at your YouTube browsing history, I could learn what you delight in. So if you looked at my YouTube browsing history, here's what you would see. Golf instructional videos. Because I'm terrible, okay? Golf, is, uh, you'll, you'll see it all the time. Jacob, if he says, what's dad doing? He's probably watching a golf video because so I, 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 I love golf. Another thing that you'll see, car restoration videos. I like that. I, I enjoy that. I, I delight in seeing a car either modified or brought back to life. I love watching that. I can't do it. I can barely turn a wrench. I don't know anything about how to fix a car. It, it, work fascinates me. I can watch it for hours. <laughs> okay. So I really enjoy that. But then you would also see all kinds of history stuff, history on history of theology, the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Trent, you'll, 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 all kinds of things like that. That's what you would see in my browsing history. Those are the things that I delight in. Another thing that you would see are theological controversies. Can you imagine me watching videos on theological controversies? I enjoy that. That's what I like. What do you delight in? And where does the word of God fit in that delight? You know, I could start singing um, Julie Andrews. These are my favorite things. How many of you are glad I'm not going to start singing that? Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. What's the copper kettles? What's the next word? Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. These are my favorite things. It does. Oh, that sounds like it could have fit in a drag bar somewhere. I don't know. If you were going to make your list of favorite things, the things that you delight in, where would the word of God fit on that list? And let me make you a promise. Your happiness will be based on the answer to that question. According to the word of God, look at verse one again, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Now, David begins this psalm, or as David begins this psalm, so should young people as they begin their lives. Listen to what Spurgeon wrote. Man began being blessed in his innocence, and if our fallen race is ever to be blessed again, it must find blessedness where it lost it, at the beginning, namely in conformity, to the command of the Lord. So when Satan tempted Eve in the garden, he began by saying hath God said? And then he began to den- to deny God's word, and as Eve believed Satan in his denial of God's word, that's when sin entered into the world. Adam ate the fruit And the Bible says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So that all of the evil in the world that comes from sin and defilement, all of that, it doesn't have to be a part of your life. Because you can choose to walk in the law of the Lord. Spurgeon again. As David thus begins his psalm, so should young men begin their lives. So should new converts commence their profession. So should all Christians begin every day. Settle it in your hearts as a first postulate and sure sure rule of practical science that holiness is happiness and that it is our wisdom first to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I want you to remember one phrase. If you only remember one thing from this whole message, I want it to be this. And this is, again, from Spurgeon's book. He said, well begun is half done. Well begun is half done. Jacob texted me that uh, quote. Jacob gave me a quote, and I forgot to get it. Um, One of the things that we need to understand is that if you start a project right, it'll end right. Has anyone here ever done any remodeling? Right? Have you ever had to fix something that you started wrong? Or you move into a house. Someone told me that they had a house built and they paid a bunch of money for it and they noticed that things were starting to look wrong because the walls were built the walls were built on like 30 inch centers. They had used half of the two by fours that they were supposed to use. And it cost them, caused them trouble for the rest of the time they lived in that house. It wasn't begun right, so it will not end right. Young people, as you begin your life, look at this verse again. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So if you begin your life, as you start to to, to make plans for the rest of your life, what's going to happen is you've got this overlap time. You're still in your parents' house. You're still following their rules. But at some point... Those rules need to become your rules. Those decisions need to become your decisions. It has to be your life and your choices. It's so important that we see that. So the first thing that I want you to see is just th- this idea of blessedness. But secondly, uh, Spurgeon said this, Blessed is the man whose life is the practical transcript of the will of God. Blessed is the man whose life is the practical transcript of the will of God. I want to explain that in a minute, but let's define blessed. We see that word in verse one, blessed, verse two, blessed. So verse two, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Verse one, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So what does blessed mean? I I looked it up in Webster's dictionary and it says happy, prosperous in worldly affairs. Prosperous in worldly affairs. Happy. Enjoying spiritual happiness and the favor of God. Enjoying spiritual happiness and the favor of God. All right? This is the life that is blessed by God. It's the holy life. The holy life. Remember, everything that God commands us to do is for our happiness. Everything that God forbids us to do is for our happiness. It's for our good. It's for our blessing. And here's our problem. We don't know that. How many of you have ever begun a project, putting something together, without the instructions? Have you ever done that? How many of you have eventually had to go back to the instructions? Because you get it put together, and you're putting together a horse, and it looks like a car. And you realize, I might have done something wrong here. This is what happens with our lives. We begin trying to put the pieces of our lives together apart from the owner's instruction. And we end up assembling a life that looks nothing like God's intended purpose for that life because we've neglected His rules, His instructions for that life. Blessing. See, I want you all to be happy. I want you to have a great life. Adults, I know that you have said this. I know you teachers have said this to students. You're going to have a hard life. You ever said that to somebody? Got somebody that can't follow instructions? You're going to have a hard life. And the Bible makes it very clear that the way of transgressors is hard. Life can be difficult if you're doing right. If you're doing wrong, life becomes impossible. It's a wonderful thing when we walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed is the man whose life is the practical transcript of the will of God. Then I want you to see this. Notice what it says again in verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled. So let's define what it means to be defiled. It means to be made dirty or foul, polluted, soiled, corrupted, violated, vitiated. Again, made dirty or foul, polluted, soiled, corrupted, violated, vitiated. Now that word vitiated, that's not a word that we use a lot. So I looked that up. Listen to what vitiated is. Depraved. Depraved. Rendered impure. Rendered defective and void. Do you know what the opposite of that is? Undefiled. Undefiled. See, the purity and innocence that your parents have gifted you. The purity and innocence that it really is the gift of strict parents. That gift. You get to take that gift out into a filthy world. And here's the, here is the protection of God. He's given you his law. He's given you his word so that you can live in an undefiled way and so be happy and pure. How many of you want to make sure that your food is pure? Right? If you take the bread out and there's a bunch of green on the bread, you give that to your brother. Because you don't want to eat it. You take the cheese out and there's a bunch of green stuff on it. And what do you do with it? You cut it off and you throw it away. So many times in our lives, we understand that you have to have something that's clean. Uh, my pressure washer. I wanted to wash my car. Got some stuff to do. We got the pressure washer to the house. Haven't started in two years and it wouldn't start. I thought maybe there's bad gas in it. So I added good gas to the gas that was in it. Guess what? It still didn't start. It still didn't start. You see, when you have something that's bad and you try to put something good in it, all it does is it makes the the good bad. And so what your parents have done is they have provided you with a safe and holy atmosphere to grow up in. Now the decision that you're going to make is now I have purity. Am I going to mix impurity with it, or am I going to be blessed of God and walk undefiled in the way? See, the simple fact is we are impacted, affected by interaction with the world. We are impacted and affected by interaction with the world. Brother Willett, R.B. Willett, he's going to be preaching for us 4th of July weekend, but I quote him often with this, nearness is likeness. Nearness is likeness. If you're near the world, you will be like the world. If you're near God, you'll be like God. That's how that works. Uh, We parents, we always know when our child has a new friend because they start using different words or speaking in different patterns. They begin speaking like the people that they are with. My wife picks up whatever accent she's with. So if she were with Dr. Ree for very long, she'd begin sounding like she was from Korea. When she's with her parents, she sounds like she's from Oklahoma. I can't understand half of what she says. She picks up the accent. She mimics the accent of the person that's with her. It's interesting that if we live in the world, we will pick up the accent of the world. But if we live with God, we'll pick up the accent of God. And we'll be different in the world. You see, this world exalts the defiled God blesses the holy. Can I say that again? This world exalts the defiled. God blesses the holy. So here's what happens, young people. If someone is holy, they are considered not cool. If someone is wicked, vile and wicked, those people are promoted in the world. And if you have a Christian that gives up the faith, that person their media, social media footprint explodes because the world loves it when Christians give up their righteousness, their holiness, and their faith. God loves it when we walk in his ways. Which one is going to make us happy? The one that created or intended us to follow or the one the destroyer wants to use to destroy our lives This world exalts the defiled. God blesses the Holy Spurgeon again. Indeed, the very contemplation of the perfect law of the Lord upon which he now entered was quite enough to make him bemoan his own imperfections and sigh for the blessedness of an undefiled walk. All of us establish patterns in our lives. And... um, I don't want to be like Joe Biden and tell people to listen to the record player every night. <laughs> Did y'all see that recently? <laughs> it's so funny. But have y'all ever seen a record? You know what a record is? The way it works is you've got this piece of vinyl, and it's pressed, and there are grooves in it. And you put that needle down, and the grooves will follow. The grooves can be, I just learned this. Scott Hoffman told me that there are records that you can put the needle at the beginning, and it'll move to the outside. And it's all based on how those grooves are pressed. Well, God wants you to impress on your record his law, his testimonies, his precepts, his statutes. Those are words that are used to describe the word of God all through. That's what God wants you to press. And so as you walk, those are the habits that you have established. Here's the problem. What sin does is it puts scratches and grooves contrary to what God wants for you. And if you've ever seen the way a record player works, it's moving along, the needle's moving along, and then all of a sudden it starts skipping. It gets stuck. Now, the purpose of that record is to get you to that inside paper, to finish the story, to finish the song, to finish the tracks. That's God's plan for your life. Sin runs contrary to God's plan and so distorts the grooves by establishing ungodly habits. So what happens is you get stuck. And when you never learn the lesson that comes from the chastening that God will bring to your life, you will end up living in the chastening. And that is, the Bible describes it as grievous. That's just the opposite of happy. Your parents have helped you. Your parents and Grace Baptist Church, we have given you the gift of a plan for your life found in God's word. Be careful that you don't defile that by allowing the world and worldly ideas to come in and corrupt what God has for you. Look at the verse again, verse 1, blessed are the undefiled, notice what it says, in the way. In the way. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, you've got two different maps that you can follow, the map of God or the map of the world. The map of the world leads to destruction. The map of God leads to happiness. Which way do you want to go? And that happens by which map you are following. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you follow Jesus, you have truth and life. If you follow Satan, you have destruction, error, unhappiness, misery. Psalm 12, 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. do want you to think about something. And the rest of the church, thank you for allowing me just to speak to these young people here. We are blessed beyond measure. So myself as a pastor, when I watch the way that other pastors are treated in their churches, the other things that they deal with, every time I come home and say, praise God for Grace Baptist Church, we are, my family and I, we are so blessed to be here. My children are blessed to have grown up in a godly home. My wife and I are blessed to have grown up in godly homes. My dad did not grow up in a godly home. When he was a senior in high school, one of his track buddies, he ran track, invited him to church, he got saved. And now we get to have this life because Bob Lee, a senior in high school, 17, 18 years old, led my dad to the Lord. And I am so blessed because of what was given to me. Young people. You are so blessed. You've been raised by parents who love you. You live in the United States. You have a church that loves you. You have God's word. And you've heard God's word and the amazing message of salvation. Spurgeon wrote this. He whose life is, in a gospel sense, undefiled, is blessed because he could never have reached this point if a thousand blessings had not already been bestowed on him. Folks, why do any of us, why do any of us have the right to hear the gospel. How many of you are thankful you did? What a blessing. What an amazing blessing. And according to Acts chapter 17, God had us born where we were born and when we were born so that we could hear that message. We are unbelievably blessed. And one of the ugliest traits for a Christian is unthankfulness. One of the ugliest traits for you, young ladies, would be a lack of thankfulness for what's been given you and one of the ways you demonstrate that unthankfulness is to throw it away at the first opportunity have you ever given a gift to someone and then you found out they didn't want it got rid of it that kind of hurts unless you already regifted it you know what i mean We've been given an amazing gift. Young people, you have been blessed in so many ways. Now, notice what it says again in our verse. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. I want us to look at that last phrase, who walk in the law of the Lord. So how do we get this blessing happiness and joy? Again, your goal is to have a blessed and happy life and if the Lord allows you to get married to a godly man and have uh, and have godly children who then if the Lord delays his return have godly children. That that's that's our goal. Um Kelsey Robertson, uh, Kelsey Harrigal now. She texted a picture of her dad Dalton Robertson or a message about him and it shows a drill sergeant and it says the way dad was with us and then that same guy with a really sweet and happy smile the way he is with his grandkids hey grandparents know what i'm talking about there my goal for you as grandparents is to have that smile how is that going to happen there's no hurt like the hurt of a believing parent with unbelieving children and depraved grandchildren. How do we begin the process to see a happy legacy? By, remember, well begun as half done. But by, by beginning with this rule in your life, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. As it says in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, that you walk with your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That you go out with the goal of living the gospel out in the world. How do we get this blessing? We walk in the law of the Lord. We have the answer. Where do I find happiness? Again, Spurgeon, he who walks in God's law walks, listen, I love this. He who walks in God's law walks in God's company and he must be blessed. He has God's smile, God's strength, and God's secret with him. How can he be otherwise than blessed? If you want a blessed life, if you want the blessing of God, walk with God. If you want the power of God, walk with God. If you want the holiness of God, walk with God. If you want the world, then you can't walk with God. You can't have both. And we certainly don't want a worldly Christianity. Doubtless, the more complete our sanctification, the more intense our blessedness. Christ is our way. And we are not only alive in Christ, but we are to live in Christ. So I want to finish with this. Verse 1 again, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. I want you to be blessed now and in eternity. I want you to be blessed now in eternity. Now, what about now? Spurgeon, a believer who errs is still saved, but the joy of his salvation is not experienced by him. He is rescued, but not enriched. Greatly born with, but not greatly blessed. Are you, young lady, saved? you know for sure that you're born again? So, let me say this boldly. It doesn't matter what you do. You get to go to heaven. You could become mass murderers. You could become Democrats. You can still go to heaven. Maybe that's a joke. You can. But you won't be happy. See, once truth is seen, it can't be unseen. You've seen the truth. You know the truth. Now it's your privilege and obligation to live that truth. And when you don't, now you become responsible for your own chastening. God wants you to be happy. If you're genuinely saved and you walk according to His statutes, you walk according to His laws, He will punish you. And that punishment won't be fun. How about we just don't get the punishment because we do what we're told. It's so much better. Listen to what Spurgeon said. Oh, that, that's now. What about an eternity? These, these holy people, shall be the envy of all mankind in that day. Though now they despise them as precise fanatics and Puritans, the most prosperous of sinners shall then wish that they could change places with them. See, if you live right... This life is so short. I wish you knew. I I, I look back to my high school graduation. You know, we drove the donkeys to the... No. 1981 is when I graduated from high school. It's like yesterday. It seems like that. It's crazy. Parents, help me out with this. Adults, does life go by fast? And the older you get, the faster it goes. Fast, fast, fast. Then it's gone but then there's eternity. And all of these people that seem like they have it all right now, they're the cool people. They're the people that the world loves to exalt. At that day, if you live a holy life at that day, they would give everything they have and everything in the whole world to trade places with you. Now, you're still saved and God wants to bless you in eternity. You can be the envy of all mankind. Now, It does not appear to them to be an impossible law. Listen, theoretically admirable, but practically absurd. They walk by it and in it. See, here's a mistake that Christians make. You believe the Bible, and you know that it's right. It's just not practical. I know the Bible says this, but. And so then we have the attack of the comma buts. I know this is true, comma, but just believe the Bible. It is. It is not only, not only true, but it is also practical. You can admire it and live it. If you do that, what happens in eternity? Matthew twenty five twenty one. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou in to the joy of thy Lord. Time does end. And there is coming a time when there'll be a kingdom on this earth and we as believers are going to rule and reign with him. Based on how we serve him now, that will be how we get the opportunity to serve later. Amen? Let's look at this verse one more time. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Young people, you've been given a great privilege You've been given an amazingly pure and godly upbringing. Now it's your choice what you do with it. The choices that you're making in these days right now will determine whether or not you have happiness at the end of your life. I want you to have happiness all the way through. But would y'all write this down? I see that you've got your notes out. And I want you to think about this. Excellence is rarely convenient Excellence is rarely convenient. It will become hard to do what God wants you to do. But as it becomes a habit, it will become easier. One last illustration. So, some of you know, some of you don't. I played tournament table tennis. I played at the U.S. Masters. I really did. I was nationally ranked. I played tournament table tennis. And if anyone says Forrest Gump, I will shoot you. And at the U.S. Masters, I have to say this because otherwise I sound cocky. I got beaten by a 12-year-old Chinese girl, so true story. Um, when we would practice, we would start, and the guy I'd be practicing with, there's a guy named Bud Kaufman. He was a very, very good national guy, and we'd say four hands. And you would just, for 30 minutes, just forehands, and you'd get to where you could hear the ball. You, you knew where it was by the sound. Then we'd do backhands, same thing. That's it. Forehands, backhands, forehands, backhands. Why did we do that? Because in a tournament, when you're out of position, you're reaching, you didn't have to say, okay, now where's my wrist supposed to be? Where's the, where's the racket supposed to be? Where, what are we supposed to be doing? It was second nature. Any of you who have learned to play basketball, you sit there and you you just practice. You know where to release it. You know where to release it. And you start there. You do the same thing on the other side. You're doing tip drills. You're doing all of these things. Why? Because in the heat of the moment, it doesn't matter what your body position is. If you know how to do that, you can shoot the ball. What God wants for your life is for you to know his words so well that the decisions don't have to be made. My senior year of high school, my parents had moved to Indiana. I was still in New York. I worked at a shoe store, and we would go out to eat afterwards. And I'll never forget, senior year of high school, they bought me this drink. It was called an ice pick. It was iced tea and vodka, I think. I think that's what they told me it was. They put it in front of me. I didn't, there was no temptation. I said, I don't drink. There was no temptation at all. Why? That decision had already been made. Do you follow what I'm saying? That decision had been made. Other situations that came up. The, life has enough temptation as it is. Life is hard enough as it is. There are some decisions that you make once, and you never have to make them again. That's what knowing God's law does for you. It helps you. It protects you. It teaches you how you can be happy. Do we have any parents here, any adults that can say amen to that? So, ladies, do me a favor. Stand up and turn around. I want you to see something. Look at the crowd. Adults, do this for me. How many of you would say you really wish that you had learned this sooner? Would you raise your hands? Each and every one of these people, young ladies, thank you, you can be seated. Each and every one of these people could tell you a story about the trouble that's come into their life because they didn't, either they didn't learn this early or they learned it and didn't follow it. I don't want you to be able to raise your hand. I want you to be able to say, I've walked in the law of the Lord. And so, you are blessed. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and the opportunity to teach it. And, of course, this text is so powerful. There's no way that I could cover it in one message.